The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to our Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios here in Lexington. And we will visit today with Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. Lots to uh, catch up with uh, there after the basketball season has ended for Kentucky since we last talked. Uh, Chris Fisher from the Cats Paws. And Darren Hedrick with a, a preview of the U.K. women's NCAA tournament path starting down in San Antonio against Idaho State. So that's the guest lineup. Let's roll right into the Wildcat news of the day. And we'll start with new offensive coordinator Liam Cohen's first news conference yesterday after the start of spring practice. He told the reporters, one thing you don't have to coach with this group is effort. And he also uh, was asked about the quarterback situation. He said it's tough to say because Will Levis is still got to come into the program at some point. And that's when they'll truly have, quote, an evaluation and a competition once he gets here. So kind of lets you know that, and, and that's surprising. I mean, he's not had any coaching experience with um, Joey Gatewood or Bo Allen. There's very little tape on them from last season. So he's got to watch them in spring practice. And uh, then you got the Penn State transfer coming in later this summer. So sounds like we won't. Uh, know who Kentucky's quarterback will be until sometime in August. Josh Ali talked yesterday as well, said that uh, the tape they watch is all from NFL teams, and that's a big part of uh, that NFL connection, a big part of why he decided to come back for another season for the Wildcats. Uh, Isaiah Jackson's dad tells Chris Fisher, the Cats pause, that his son will put his name in the draft and go through the process. His dad says, quote, he hasn't made up his mind and we haven't hired an agent. So we'll talk more with Chris about that when he joins us. As a reported Vaught's views, citing a source with numerous professional ties, as Hale Larry puts it, that uh, believes Damian, uh, Damian Mintz will return to Kentucky. Um, football, wide receiver Bryce Oliver has entered the transfer portal. He looked like a rising star out of the spring game a couple of seasons ago and just uh, never could uh, s- seem to stay healthy to uh, get an extended run in the fall. The student newspaper at DePaul, excuse me, the student newspaper at DePaul says that Kenny Payne is the main target of DePaul's coaching search, and that would have to be the least surprising thing I will read this month, uh, with (laughs) Dwayne Peavy getting the AD job up at DePaul. Uh, I know Mike Pratt and I have have, uh, talked about this, uh, that we both uh, thought that you know when if DePaul makes a change, Kenny would naturally be the first call because uh, Dwayne knows um, you know firsthand uh, how uh, promising I think Kenny will be as a head coach. So this could be his shot. We'll see if he uh, wants to do that. He's had a season in the NBA. Maybe he wants to go on that path uh, and work his way up as uh, an NBA assistant and into a head coaching role there, which is. Usually kind of how that works in that league, so he may be on that path. But if he wants to be a head coach right now, a good chance he might have a shot at DePaul. And he's also got to look at the situation there and 
you know, can he recruit? What's uh, what's he have? Does he have a chance to win, etc.? But uh, boy, uh, that could be a great hire for DePaul. UK softball number nine in the country beat EKU yesterday. Had to come from behind to do it. Uh, Mallory Payton's three-run homer in the fourth, uh, one of the key blows in a six-to-five comeback win. The game today at Western's been postponed because of impending weather. Uh, Murray State in baseball beats Kentucky thirteen to eight over at Kentucky Proud Park. In a losing cause, T.J. Collette had two homers, four games in a row, with a home run for him. We're coming to you in the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. Return, refresh, and refuel at one of their 67 locations throughout central Kentucky. Following CDC guidelines for COVID-19, most of them feature a drive through window, and most of them feature that Clark's Cafe, where you could get a sausage biscuit right now for just a buck ninety-nine. Biscuits and gravy, $1.99. How about 12 Cajun tenders, just $13.99, and at their crispy, crunchy locations, a blueberry biscuit for $0.69. Cents. Check out those great deals at the Clark's Cafe at Clark's Pump and Shop. Return, refresh, and refuel. We'll head to a break. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We'll chat with Chris Fisher when we come right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Our show served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Chris Fisher from Catspaws.com, who had a chance to catch up to Isaiah Jackson's dad and uh, broke a little news yesterday. Um... Certainly not surprising that uh, Isaiah is going to put his name in. Maybe some fans might, Chris, be a little bit surprised that he's not jumping in with both feet yet. Yeah, I think this was probably the the least surprising news, seeing as how um, Isaiah Jackson has moved into the lottery and into the top ten of a lot of uh, mock drafts. His his dad told me that they're going to explore the process, and the first step in that process is – putting your name in the draft and uh he's not committed to staying in the draft by by any means they're they're going to get all the information that they can and, and make an educated decision and and left the door uh open to uh to return so um about as good a news as you could expect if you're a kentucky fan hoping that uh that isaiah jackson comes back next season but at the end of the day i don't see that happening i it, it, He's very, very solidly, you know, projected in that that lottery range, and so, um, and a guy that you know, frankly, just got better and better as the season went along. Yeah, he did. I mean, it would be uh, so exciting to see him in a second year, the way he developed, particularly his offensive game. Uh, it was a little like you know Anthony Davis in that he was a defensive force from the beginning, but uh, really came on offensively down the stretch, and um, you know it's. Yeah, I mean, he could uh, uh, maybe play himself up a little bit, but uh, if you're in that situation already in the lottery, it uh, hard to hard to make much sense out of not taking that opportunity. Yeah, he was dominant defensively uh, and on the glass when he could stay on the floor, and then as you saw, uh, his offensive game just expand more and more. His uh, scored in double figures in just two of his first eighteen games, and then did that in six of, of his last seven. So really gained a lot of confidence on, on that area of the floor. His face-up game, I thought, brought another dimension, not just to his offensive game individually, but Kentucky's offense 
uh, as a whole and and that move at Tennessee may have been the individual uh, play of the year where he went around John Fulkerson and, and dumped it and, and really goes to show you just, you know, how little he's scratching the surface and, and how much, you know, potential he has to, to grow into. Yeah, I thought he became the hardest guy for the other team to guard. Uh, down the stretch again when he could stay on the floor because he could face up you had to respect the 15 footer which made the the first step move uh so much better definitely yeah his his face up game he became a mismatch every trip down the floor taking you know bigger slower guys off the dribble and like you said they they it came to the point where they had to respect that 15 foot jump shot so that made him uh, all the more dangerous and i think he shot 75% over the last you know 10 games or so from the free throw line right. as well so definitely very respectable for uh, for a big man you also wrote about uh, dante allen's uh, decision to come back for another year i think uh, the falmouth outlook uh, quoted his mom uh, i wasn't surprised i i never really thought he was uh, going to to leave because uh, I think, and you heard some of this with what Cal said in the uh, final radio show of the season, uh, you know, the game moving more toward uh, skill and a little less away from, a little more away from athleticism. And, uh, you know, uh, Dante is a guy that uh, can can fill it up. And now just, you know, if he can add things to his game, he can have a role for them. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, Kentucky has had so many special freshmen over the last decade that we've kind of forgotten what a typical freshman looks like. And even though he redshirted, that was what Dante Allen looked like this year. He showed flashes, uh, the 23-point game um, in Starkville, obviously the 23-point game to close out the year in the SEC tournament. Um, But there are things that he needs to add to his game. He needs to get better on defense. Um, uh, you know that he needs to contribute other things when his shot isn't going down. And there were times I felt like fans wanted to credit Dante Allen for all of his success, and then criticize John Calipari for all of his shortcomings this season. But uh, either way, getting Dante Allen back in the fold for next season, I think, was the first big win of uh, John Calipari's off season, especially with uh, you know with how he ended the season versus Mississippi State. I know the first the first game in the Bahamas uh, back where that been of August of eighteen. Um, after the first game, uh, the the word that uh, Mike and I got back was like, "Whoa, we can't have Tyler Hero and Quade on the floor together any uh, at all uh, from a defensive standpoint." Um, so, you know, Tyler was a guy that uh, made progress defensively and that's all Dante needs to do he can give him so much on the offensive end just needs to get a little better defensively thing I liked about him his game too is that he had you know he uh, had a good knack for getting especially defensive rebounds and uh, I thought uh, he had uh, you know good instincts for finding uh, an open teammate so uh, there's plenty to build on there yeah, definitely. He, he he has a nose for the ball. Like you said, he was able to, to come up with loose balls with defensive rebounds, uh, made um, some plays on, on that end of the floor. And yeah, it's just about adding to um, his game overall. And, you know, not all freshmen are going to be ready. Kentucky fans say they don't want all and, all one and done. But then when a guy, you know, doesn't necessarily live up to the expectations in year one, they, they're kind of tossed aside sometimes. And so 
Dante Allen just needs a little bit of time and, and room to grow, and he's going to be, uh, just like we said initially when he came out of high school, a very, very valuable piece uh, of this program going forward. With um, the remaining time for this latest recruiting class, do you think Calipari's focusing more on incoming freshmen or incoming transfers? Yeah, I think based on his comments the other night, um, I would lean toward uh, the transfer route. He talked about, you know, the ground moving under their feet in college basketball. And to me, he's looking at it like a college football coach would look at JUCOs. You know, okay, these are the spots that we missed on. These are our needs, and we'll go the JUCO route and we'll plug and play. And I think that is what uh that I think that's the process he's going to use going forward um okay we need uh you know a, a point guard with experience okay let's see you know what the transfer portal looks like instead of you know you have a Reed Travis you have a Nate Testina um you know Davion Mintz and Olivier Saar last season I think instead of focusing on those top five freshmen who are now more likely to go the G League route, I think they're going to see him uh, explore the transfer portal more and more and, and begin to, to lean on that instead. You read the story about Isaiah Jackson and uh, more at catspaws.com, at Chris Fisher 24-7 on Twitter. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you. Chris Fisher joining us on this Wednesday edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar. Great place for breakfast, brunch, or lunch. Voted number one breakfast in the Herald Leader Reader's Choice poll seven years running. We'll be right back with Darren Hedrick on the Leach Report Radio. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. Back at the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline, Darren Hedrick joins us. He'll be on the call for Kentucky and Idaho State in the opening round of the women's NCAA tournament in San Antonio come Sunday afternoon. What can you tell us about Idaho State? Well, Tom, they're the Big Sky champions. They've got four players that average in double figures, and they just play solid fundamental basketball. They've, they've also got... Uh, a couple of games against Power 5 teams. They played Nebraska Tough and Lincoln, and they beat Kansas State and Manhattan, which is a, a team that Kentucky also went in there and beat. So they've got a common opponent. and should be a, should be an interesting matchup with the Bob, or the uh, Bengals there in the first round. Yeah, I started to say Vandals. That's Idaho. I think University of Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the Idaho State Bengals. They've got the same color as the Cincinnati Bengals, so it'll be fun. Well, let's hope they play like the Bengals do uh, uh, more often than not, unfortunately. Uh, about, I think I saw like a, a pretty healthy plus number in rebound margin for Idaho State, right? Yeah, they, they do rebound the basketball very well. They also shoot it very well, and like I say, they're very balanced in scoring. They just play fundamentally good basketball, but... Um, you know, hopefully Kentucky will be able to, to use their athletes and speed them up and turn them over. But you're, you're right. It's only going to come down to rebounding again. It seems like a story we've talked about all year with Kentucky. They're going to have to crash the glass against Idaho State. Uh, what was uh, Coach El- What did Coach Elsey have to say um, when you guys talked on Monday? Uh, not so much about the opponent, but about her own team and how they're bouncing back from uh, a tough finish to the regular season. 
Yeah, you know, she was uh, talking about the way they've come back and practiced and, and how they've had uh, a message about accountability. They weren't happy at all with the way the SEC tournament ended, thought it uh, finished a little shorter than they wanted it to, obviously losing to Georgia in the quarterfinals. Um, and, and I think the biggest message to this team right now, like I mentioned, is accountability and responsibility. And they've got to come into this tournament. They've got to commit to defense. They've got to commit to rebounding. And the other thing, too, is they need to find balance in scoring. You, you've got a great player in Ryan Howard who's who can give you 25 or 30 a game, but she needs help. Uh, they need Chastity Patterson to step up and score. They need to find a presence inside with Kiki McKinney and Tatiana and Dreana. So, uh, you know, it, it, right now it's trying to find that balanced offense that we saw early in the season. They really need it now. Yeah, you were talking about that on a recent appearance here on the show that they maybe have a tendency to to stand and and watch Ryan uh, a little bit, and you know it's great to have that player that can take over a game, but it's not really fair to that player to expect him or her to always do it. Right, exactly, and you know when we've seen Ryan really step up recently, she's elevated her game with the postseason arriving. I think in the last four games, she's averaged twenty seven points. She's shooting almost 50% from the floor. But as great as that is, how much of that has been out of necessity because her teammates aren't scoring? Against Georgia, they had three and double figures, but they were able to win down at Athens. The second time around, they only had two and double figures against Georgia at the SEC tournament. And then, of course, the Lady Bulldogs got hot, were able to score and beat Kentucky by 12. But the, the biggest thing is they need to get some players to step up and score. They want Jasmine Massengill to become a scoring threat. Uh, Robin Benton, uh, they'd like to see her get back going again because she's such an excellent three-point shooter. She's a weapon. And then, like I say, they've got to establish a presence inside. That's something they've not had in the last four or five games. About 30 seconds here. Baseball opens up conference play this weekend, right? Yeah, they do. They host Missouri. That's going to be a, a, a fun matchup. I'm interested to see just where Kentucky is going into SEC play. I think this is a good opener, and it's always fun to start it at home. Darren, thank you much. We'll hear you on the call this weekend. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. This is Darren Hendrick. It'll be Kentucky and Idaho State at 2 Eastern on Sunday. ESPN will have the TV coverage, but make sure you tune in the radio side while you're watching the game. You can uh, use the... Uh, the uh, app uh, to sync that up uh, should work for you and listen to Darren's call at Kentucky and Idaho State. Back with Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. From the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, it's the second half of our Wednesday show. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Uh, we'll uh, talk about the tournament here in a bit, but we'll start with uh, the Wildcats and kind of a bit of a post-mortem, Kyle. Um, what would you think, uh, first of all, just your overall take on the things Cal had to say on this uh, final radio show of the season on Monday night? Well, I think I think all all everybody's talking about is the last <laughs> the sign off uh, the 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 uh, uh, get your chuck, chuckles while you can kind of thing from Cal. That was uh, I'm sure that was a lot of people like to hear that. They want to hear uh, that he's coming back with a vengeance, and I think that's sort of the message he was trying to send. But I, I thought he he struck the right tone. 
Um, uh, you know, I, I thought that was really all you could say um, to even try to appease some people was to acknowledge, like, okay, it's there's stuff to be fixed. Uh, it's not acceptable. The you know this is Kentucky. It's not acceptable. I think is what people wanted to hear him say because that's how how I think so many uh, folks feel that even on your worst year it shouldn't be this bad at Kentucky. Um, you know to acknowledge some of the changing of the game and and that that so much is evolving. Like he said, ground moving beneath our feet. I think that's exactly right. Um, you know part of that is something I think he could have forecast himself i mean in terms of style of the game changing it's been going that way for a while but i think it really slapped him in the face this year i think um i think the team that won the league helped drive that home as well um to see that team twice and see what they did i I think it's a little bit eye-opening um so you know and, and then i think too the talk about you know just changing landscape in terms of um recruiting and transfers and you know just all the all the things about uh i think he said name image and likeness that are going to totally reshape recruiting i think i think right now there's already like twice as many people uh names in the transfer portal as there were when the whole season was finished last year um that is going to explode the transfer market and and so you know and then and then a school like kentucky with name name image and likeness you know, if you couldn't get the top kids, the very, very top kids for the last few years, does that change? Um, can you get just about anybody you want at a school like Kentucky when there's so much marketability if players are able to then start making some money off their name? So um, all those things are certainly going to come into play. Um, there's two paths there that seemed like he was uh, operating on. One is those things like – NIL and transfers that have to deal more with you know, who you're going to have on your team, maybe how long you're going to keep them, where you're going to get them from, and the other is you know the the types of players that you look for. And that's that's the way I thought it was particularly interesting when he talked about uh, the game moving more toward skills and a, a little away from athleticism. And uh, you know how do you uh, see those lines intersecting at a different point than they have been for a while? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, look, the NBA is full of guys that have both, <laughs> you know, that you want. And I think that's in his in his dream scenario, you'd have a team that has both. And I, I don't think you're going to see Cal stop taking, you know, 6'7 to 6'10 guys who are, are, you know, impossibly long and can jump out of the gym. I think he's going to always want to have those guys. And those those guys are part of the reason that, that even in a year like this, Kentucky's, tough to score on you know he's always going to have a good defense because you've got long athletic guys but yeah i do think he's clearly seeing now that there that there's a, a little bit more balance that needs to be struck um between those two things that that you are absolutely going to have to be skilled you're going to have to at least be capable of and maybe it's not your full-time um lineup but you have to be able to put a lineup on the floor where at minimum four of the five guys can make a shot from the outside. I was um, uh, saying, and I'll see if you agree, that it reminds me a little bit of where I think Mark Stoops is, is headed. He's not going to be, become an air raid guy all of a sudden. He's still who he is, but they had to get better at throwing the football. 
Right, and you, you've got to be, you've got to have a guy who's got the the mindset to do that, um, pushing the buttons. And so, um, yeah, I, it, I've I've all year kind of compared it to, you know, that Cal was kind of at the crossroads that Nick Saban found himself at uh, at Alabama, which and and you know he's a completely defensive focused coach who famously kind of asked, "Is this really what we want the game to be?" You know, about the wide open throw it you know, 60 times a game, offenses, spread them out offenses that are basically become impossible to defend. And and I think after a season or two of sort of being curmudgeonly about that, he kind of went, well, if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, you know, he tried to get the rules of the game changed <laughs> to, to give defenses a fighting chance, Saban did, and he couldn't do it. Uh, and so he rolled with it. And he said, okay, if I, if I can't, beat this, I'm going to do it and do it better than everybody else, and that's what happened. And now they're dominating football again. And I think Cal is very much at that, that crossroads uh, himself right now. I ask you what I was asking Chris Fisher earlier in terms of the, the remaining players that get uh, added to this roster. Is it more transfers uh, or more recruits? I'd be pretty surprised if it's not more transfers. I, I think and I think going forward, I think I think John Calipari will will absolutely. We talk about innovating and sort of changing your approach. Um, I do think he's he's a little weary from just the constant reteaching of basic basketball to to eighteen year olds every year. Um, uh, I think he'd like to have more guys who know how to play basketball uh, from day one, so that every practice isn't just remedial. Uh, basketball instruction. I mean, year after. I mean, we're talking about twelve years of spending however many months at the front end teaching remedial basketball. Um, and I think that's an, as much as anything that that is a, a, an awakening for Cal. And I think that the new frontier is going to be um, that transfer market because as a, if you're at a school like Kentucky. Um, you can, I think, go, you know, and guys are looking to transfer. You're going you're gonna to see guys that are at high major programs that are losing. You're going to see programs that are at a, a mid-major programs that want to be on a bigger stage. Uh, and, and both those things, if you're Kentucky, you're a very attractive option. And, and if you're Kentucky and you know you can get a guy who, you, you don't have to wonder, you don't have to go, does, it, does his shooting translate from high school? Does his scoring and his, finishing translate from high school if you can now go get guys and not wait for grad transfers go get guys that had a great freshman year that you weren't sure about but they proved it at the college level and you can say i know this guy will make 40 percent of his threes at a high major college level let me plug him in that's a that's a game changer and i think cal will dive absolutely into that Chatting with Kyle Tucker. You can read him at theathletic.com. Good time to subscribe if you are not already signed up because you'll uh, get all the tournament coverage, a uh, little bracket help maybe before tomorrow, and you have to turn it in. So we'll get back to more with Kyle. We'll get into uh, that as well on our Final Four pick and more when we return. It's the Leach Report Radio Network, and we are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Quarter before the top of the hour, it's Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com joining us here on this Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Uh, Isaiah Jackson told the 
his dad told the cat's paws they're going to uh, put their name in. He's going son's going to put his name in, but they haven't made a decision yet. Can't imagine he would be back. Uh, I think Boston and Clark will also uh, be off to the professional ranks. I don't think Sars back, but after that, unless you agree, disagree with any of those, what are you looking at as far as who's back? Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with any of those. Um, you know, Lance Ware, I think, has told somebody yesterday he's coming back, and I never thought he was not coming back. He's he's the guy that really strikes me as, you know, sort of understanding the situation and what he needs to get better at. And I think he can see a path to being a productive player at Kentucky. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a really nice piece, by the way, who you know can grow into a, a bigger role year by year. Um, you know, and maybe the the type of guy that's around for three or four years instead yeah. of just you know begging and hoping you get two out of a guy. Um, so, so I think that's big. I mean, Askew has indicated that he um, plans to be back, which you know I, I thought the interesting thing about him over the course of the year was that multiple times he put himself strongly on record saying, "I'm not you know one of these other West Coast kids. I'll be back." Um, so that's good. I mean, Dante Allen's family has said as much as well i know a lot of people kind of worried about him uh, you know the pressure and the situation all that whatever kind of running him off to somewhere else but i i, I never really felt that way about him either i, I think he's a, a kid who for all the unrealistic things that kind of got heaped on him i think he's always been pretty unrealistic about who he was and where he was in the process um pretty well and, and if you think about if you think about Dante Allen in the context of a normal college program, um, you, you just go, wow, he had, a, he had a really nice freshman year with some really great moments uh, in there and some struggles as well. Like, he's off to a great start. Like, that's, <laughs> the, the weird thing about Kentucky is it's such a, it's such a skewed view of, or at least Kentucky in the, the Calipari era, just churning out these draft picks and, and so much roster turnover. Is it, it sort of skews how you look at things in a, in a normal environment. Uh, there's, it's all positive. Like Dante Allen had two games where he absolutely lit up an SEC team and went nuts from three, and you know had a few other quality shot making games for them. You know this is great. He, he's off to a great start. Is how you would normally view him, and I think that's how we probably ought to view him for Kentucky. I think it's a really nice thing that they can have a guy back that they know. They could put in there, and he can go go bonkers. Uh, and now he knows what he's got to work on. He's, I think, he's very clear on what kept him off the court when he was off the court. Um, who else? I mean, I think Toppin will be back. Who else do we have? I'm trying to Brooks. Think. Brooks. Oh, yeah, that's going to be the interesting one. Uh, but you know, there was there were in, there were immediate like immediate. I think the day they lost within a couple hours, uh, buzz about you know he was reaching out to people or or people around him were reaching out to other schools. Maybe that's true that somebody connected to him, uh, reached out to somebody, but I, I have a great relationship with him and his dad. And I checked in with his dad right after. And he said, you know, that's total BS. And so, um, I think there's a pretty good chance that Brooks is back, but I do think that that is the, um, that is sort of the not make or break, but it's the big one. That's, that's the big decision to me because I think Keon Brooks could become a star for them next year. I think, you know, um, he's got a chance to, to, you know, as a junior be kind of what PJ was as a sophomore. And, you know, he's, he's certainly got to figure some things out as well. 
Uh, he disappeared in some stretches, and I think he knows that. Um, but you know, if they could get Keon back with those other guys that that I mentioned, you know, the other guys to me are kind of complementary players. Brooks is a chance to be, come back and be a veteran star, uh, and then if you start adding transfers and a couple of really good freshmen, you know, now you've got something. You know, Brooks, uh, in, in fairness to him, might have gotten closer to sophomore PJ this year under normal circumstances. You know, if he doesn't have the oh know, yeah the limits yeah, on no, work and getting hurt. The, I think a big, yeah, I think a big part of the fact that he didn't sort of totally reach that level. Uh, was because I mean it's not just about the nine games that he missed. He missed all of all of preseason. He didn't right. he didn't have any of the preseason uh, practice. So he was really out for months. I guess two or three months, um, and that that absolutely sets you back. Um, and what then about I think there's going to be the what's that? I uh, say so what about mints? What's your inclination? Yeah, you know, you you wonder like I I I, def, I definitely think it's possible, and I think there'll be some pull for him. You know, I've talked to his dad about that, and, and, and I think there will be some pull for him to come back and, and experience, you know, the real Kentucky basketball, you know, with all the lead-up and madness and fans in the stands. And, you know, yeah, I think Cal is definitely trying to sell him, saying, you know, imagine what all those shots you hit would have been like if, if we'd had our, our fans here. Um, but then there's also, he's been at college for a long time. Uh, you know, he's got a chance to go make some money somewhere. Playing professional basketball this year was was an absolute, I think, grind on his sort of mental state, um, as as it was for everybody, and so it's a, it's a tough call for him. I think it's that I think he and Keon are, are kind of fifty fifty decisions uh, that could go either way. But again, you know, if you got both of those guys back, I think there'd be and the guys that we mentioned, I, I think there'd absolutely be reason. To be optimistic that Kentucky is not going to be anywhere near like this past season uh, next year, I, I, I just I don't think that happens again. At theathletic.com, you can uh, see the all the various college basketball writers there picks for the Final Four. Uh, I know uh, what uh, what yours is, but uh, share it with our audience if you would. Yeah, I've got uh, Gonzaga, Alabama. Uh, Baylor and Illinois. I was trying to remember. I actually don't have my bracket right in front of me. <laughs> uh, and I think I think this is the year that uh, the Gonzaga gets it done. I mean, they've they've been the best team all year. Um, I mean, talk about they they got the ultimate number one overall seeds bracket. The the two, three, and four seeds in their in their region they already beat by double digits uh, this year. I mean, there's it, it's not like you have to squint and, and you know. Imagine a perfect scenario for them to get there. Like they, they have handled everybody in their in their region, and I just I just think they're too good. They're too deep. They had three guys uh, contending for the conference player of the year uh, on on one team. So uh, I think they're really good, and I like I, I am I'm all in on Nate Oates in Alabama. Uh, I was really impressed with them at the SEC tournament. They had one absolute beatdown of the team that knocked Kentucky out, Mississippi State, and then they they had sort of the the grit to finish off a couple of really, really high-level tough games in the semifinals and finals um, against Tennessee and, and LSU. Those were fun games. That was a great SEC tournament, and uh, it got me excited about basketball again for sure. Yeah, it was. It was very entertaining, especially the uh, the final game. And I think it's going to be an entertaining tournament. I, at, at the top, uh, those teams look really strong, but you know the, the, the next tier – 
from, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in that ranking for a, a lo- you go la- a, down a long way and uh, you don't have a, I think a, a ton of difference. So I think there's going to be some, uh, some fun, exciting games and uh, more than a few upsets. Yeah, I mean, the East should be a ton of fun. Michigan is a little bit diminished because of an injury, and that's where Alabama is. You know, you could get a, a Michigan-Florida State Sweet 16 and an Alabama-Texas Sweet 16, and the winners of any of those games in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four would be high-level games, some terrific athletes. That, that to me, is the most fun region, but be the most interesting region, but I think the tournament's going to be all the way around thrilling, and we've waited two years to see another one. So uh, I think we're all all fired up for that. Kyle Tucker, thank you much. Enjoy the games. Thank you. You can read him at theathletic.com. And if you're uh, filling out your bracket and you haven't uh, turned it in yet, there's some great uh, material there that will give you some uh, insight on your selection. So uh, we always remind you, if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, you should do so. It's uh, great content at theathletic.com, including Kyle Tucker. We'll be right back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. This day in Wildcat history, presented by the new Rave On app. And in 1956, Jerry Bird set the U.K. record for most rebounds in an NCAA tournament game. He grabbed 24 rebounds in a loss to number 4 Iowa. 24 boards, 23 points. That's quite a stat line. Happy birthdays to Sam Bowie, to Patrick Sparks, and to Johnny Juzang, all celebrating birthdays on St. Paddy's Day. Happy St. Paddy's Day to all of you guys. Uh, I'm going to take a few days off, so I will be back with you next week. Dick Gabriel will be in the chair tomorrow, and have a great day, and uh, enjoy the basketball that is coming. See ya on the Leach Report Radio Network, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on the Leach Report.